This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. We're going to talk about controlling cost in uh, today's podcast, and I'll get to that. But uh, I'm going to start off with the Navy story first, and um, some of it relates to other podcasts that I've told similar stories where we're in the middle of the ocean, we don't have a whole lot of choices. Sometimes it's um, related to uh, government budgeting, and uh, we're just at the the short end of the stick at times. But then other times we make choices, and that's what this is really about. So we're in the middle of the ocean. Um, we worked in aviation, so we worked a lot with supply. We were not on the forefront of any battle other than keeping the air wing up in the uh, in the air and safe. And so uh, we were troubleshooting these boxes. Um, a lot of them actually came from the F-14s. I'm sorry, the F-18s. The F-14s had their own issues. We had this, several boxes that um, we uh, were in the middle of the ocean, and we actually had limited supply of parts. And so what we decided to do is try to go a little bit further to save money on, on cost, uh, given the time frames, and then we started troubleshooting further than uh, we normally would have, and uh, we had 50% uptime. In other words, we fixed 50% of the actual um, circuit cards that we were trying to actually um, save money on. And so, uh, in the end, I don't know what the total is. We were we were concerned about uh, results. We weren't concerned about money because we didn't have the budget. That so was the supervisor's job. But you know, I, in the end, I'm sure we saved the the government uh, millions of dollars in taxpayer dollars towards these boxes that we actually spent some time. Which you know leads into some of the things I'm going to talk about today, where we're going to talk about healthcare cost and and insurance and a lot of things that go along with it. But there's a lot of things about input and output that we're going to get into. You know, uh, obviously there's a revenue side where the money comes from, and then an out- output control and cost. Uh, in the military, we didn't have control where the money came from. That's what Congress's job is to, uh, job is for related to collecting revenue from taxpayers, but also uh, then our end was to control some of the output by uh, finding ways to reduce costs. And, and and sometimes it's long-term and sometimes it's not. There's actually a, um, a, an F-14 box that uh, has this um, great foam in it um, that I think is very similar to that can of uh, spray can that um, I think it's called great stuff where it actually has this foam stuff that hardens. Well, we had it in a box that, uh, uh, this is back in the seventies and eighties, but, um, they sprayed on the, uh, on the lid, uh, the whole circuit cards, because every time the aircraft actually came down, it bounced the circuit cards. But in this event, we didn't have anything long-term. It was short-term, um, which is essentially the same thing as our expenses when it comes to medical. We're not ongoing all the time where medical expenses occur. So at the beginning of October of 2022, this organization called Health Affairs uh, came out with a report. They actually published it on October 6, 2022. Um, and so 15 to 30% of healthcare spending is due to admin cost. And they had determined that at least half that they could count for is actually wasted spending. And so it's a good portion of our uh, the money that's actually being spent on healthcare. And the wasted spending could actually account the numbers that they have is anywhere from 285 billion to 570 billion annually. So there's a lot of wasted money spent in healthcare that could be um, trimmed back. 
The report also states that uh, they could save $300 million of that if Congress cr- created a, a clearinghouse, um, but it would, it would save about $0.06 cents per claim. And I tell you, uh, the government and their Midas touch, right? So that usually ends up costing more, like the Affordable Care Act. They claim that the Affordable Care Act was going to save money and then insure so many millions of people, and they keep using this huge number of what um, end up doing as far as insuring a number of people. But they never talk about how many of the people lost insurance because of the Affordable Care Act and what the net outcome really was. And then if you compare that to the overall cost, you might be surprised. But anything the government touches... Uh, the outcomes never come out to what they're proposed. They are the government. They're using other people's money. They really don't have skin in the game like you and I do have in the household. Um, and when we're paying our hard-earned dollars towards healthcare and other expenses, and so um, the, I always call it the the good um, the good intentions paving company, right? And so they had good intentions to pave out this nice little road for you to drive in. And it was nothing but a disaster uh, to a lot of people out there. They just don't like to talk about it. But we're going to talk about unaffordable health care. If we related health care to household expenses, eventually at some point, if you're losing money or you're spending a lot, um, you do this thing called adulting, right? And you start growing up, you pull your pants up and you're like, okay, life has these moments of high expenses, but where do we cut cost? And so where, where do we control those expenses? And... The, the problem with healthcare is really just basic economics. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but we're just going to talk about really just 50,000 foot overview, basic economics. There's an input. What's the funding? How are you going to fund healthcare? Either um, by yourself or through an insurance company, through your employer, or through your taxes. And then you have output, what those expenses are. Because I tell you what, you could go out and you can make a million dollars a year. If you don't save any portion of it or you only get a dollar when everything's spent, um, you're better off actually making $30,000 a year and keeping half of your income. Um, you're just better off. It doesn't matter the revenue at some point uh, if your expenses are way too high. Revenue is important, even though small business, because revenue is everything, right? You can control the expenses in other ways, but we don't control healthcare expenses because we kind of take it a status quo. Somebody else is usually paying the bill. We're financing it in some degree through an insurance company, which really doesn't care about our claims. And we'll get to that too. There's no free lunch. Somebody's paying the bill in some capacity. So the funding could through really through healthcare um, is really starts off with you, uh, the consumer, the, the policyholder, or the patient that's receiving the medical attention. A lot of people out there end up actually deferring some of that cost through an insurance company, either privately or through your employer's health plan. Um, And uh, that's usually where most Americans in America get their insurance, either privately when they pay for it on their own or through um, their employer. And then the following part of that is taxpayers, where you get through Medicare or Medicaid, depending on your situation. Uh, one's state-driven, one's federal-driven, uh, but it comes from taxpayers. There's no free—the government doesn't own any money. It's all from taxpayers. So one way or the other, it's there. And obviously, the taxpayer portion is a safe haven because they want to, you know, just like most government programs, they don't want people always landing on their face. Um, they want to get them back up on their feet. Uh, it was never really meant long-term. I mean, Medicare is there, but they didn't. They expect life expectancy when they started Medicare was much shorter than it is today. So the the taxpayer dollars are running short um, all the time in the Medicare pool, and then on the Medicaid, they're always short on cash. In the state of Illinois, 
I wouldn't be surprised they're two years from behind payments on uh, from pay, but they're still paying these providers, but they're just almost two years behind. So they get interest payments every three months. Uh, but somebody's paying the bill at some point, um, is my point. There's no free lunch. There, someone's paying for it. Uh, in the end, it usually ends up being us, whether you're paying through higher taxes, higher insurance premiums, uh, more out-of-pocket expenses, and the list goes on. Uh, but to give you a, a quick breakdown, there's you, right? You're paying for it. You're funding it. You, you could self-insure. You could go without insurance. Some people do and say, it's cheaper for me just to pay cash. That's true, right? And so we don't buy insurance to, so we can go to the doctor or have the you know, prescription drug or uh, so you can have that outpatient testing. That's really not what insurance is for. I mean, I, you may argue against that in some degree. Uh, it's really for the sudden expensive insurance policy. If you look at any other insurance policy you have outside of health insurance, they're not paying for little stuff and it's reasonably affordable. So you look at your auto insurance, they're not paying for tires. They're not paying for windshield wiper blades. They're not putting fuel in your um, gas tank. Um, they're not washing your car. They're not um, recharging your air conditioner. None of that. And same thing with your car, your house rather. Uh, you're not getting power washing on your siding. You're not getting AC checkups or your furnace checked or you know, any other maintenance that comes in with, related to owning a home. Um, and in a lot of cases, you might look at me funny and say, well, why would insurance pay for that? Well, why is insurance paying for your doctor visits? It's predictable. Um, insurance is not designed for the predictable. It's designed for the unpredictable. As of this recording, the most recent, you know, the hurricane that was going through uh, the Gulf area and wiped out a whole bunch of property. And hopefully a lot of most people are safe. But you know, that's what insurance is for. Insuring, collecting premium dollars over a big pool of people paying in to help insure for catastrophic loss. That's what insurance is for. Um, if you know you're going to the doctor visit, the insurance companies are padding the premiums um, based on a model. And most of the time they come out ahead. And so if you actually knew the cost difference to have a doctor visit in there, you might second guess it, especially if you're um, watching your dollars where they go. Uh, another way to self-insure is actually taking some of that risk, just like we do with our homeowner's insurance. Instead of taking the risk of rebuilding our house for you know, $800,000 if you had a catastrophic loss, we pay a fraction of that fee to an insurance company and insure that risk in case you do have that catastrophic loss. You're not on the hook for the $800,000. Uh, your premiums may go up with losses, but it's still a fraction of what the overall cost would have been. And so... With health insurance, we do the same thing. We take a, a a fraction of what healthcare may potentially cost based on risk models. You pay a premium to an insurance company to um, to cover that, and then they're taking the lion's share when things occur. And we also then have an open credit card, and we can do whatever we want. We know what our upfront costs are going to be. We know what we're paying per month, and all of a sudden. People go out there um, like uh, and decide to use the credit card for spending and saying, oh, is that well, they don't even ask what the cost of the test is anymore. They if it's ten thousand dollars for the test where they can go down the street and get it for six hundred bucks. They don't really care uh, because somebody else is putting on the credit card that somebody else is paying. You'll never have to pay that balance. And I think that's a problem. Uh, but anyhow, you pay a insurance company to insure that risk. Another way to do it is gain employment that the employer is helping share their costs. In some cases, some employers pay 100% or they charge you a very small amount on your paycheck. Some charge more, some charge almost the whole thing. 
Um, but in most cases, there is a benefit of going through your employer, even if it's only for the pre-tax dollars being charged, because after-tax dollars, if you bought it privately, if you're not self-employed. And so you certainly um, could uh, work for an employer that provides those great benefits. And then on the employer side, uh, for those employers, listen, you can go to a fully insured company and that's fine. You just pay whatever the retail price is and, and that's it, right? Just It's based on an age on the Affordable Care Act era. Uh, or you can move to self-funded measures and then you're self-insuring a little bit more to inherit some of the risk control, the cost. So like some of these large companies, they essentially have a plan deductible and then there's insurance. There's still insurance there. It's just they have this plan. That's why they call it self-insured. They're self-insuring up to a certain dollar amount, just like we do with our own personal deductibles. And so some of these big companies, and I'm making this number up, but it might be a million dollar deductible. So they collect premiums and they actually allocate dollars from the company as if they were paying an insurance company and they put that into a trust fund um, or some other escrow account is what I use in layman's terms. Um, That's not what it's called, but um, it's essentially our escrow account. They can't touch it. They can't move it. They can't do anything unless it's related to a medical claim. And so it's very protected. Uh, Just like escrow account for your mortgage, you can't take that escrow money out, you know, the, the power wash your house, uh, it's there for a specific reason and you can't touch it other than that. It's just the way that, that we could share costs. And then the other way of sharing costs is through your deductibles and HSA. So an employer can contribute to your deductible through an HRA, um, health reimbursement, uh, or an HSA, health savings account, you know, put money into an account for other future expenses. Obviously, the premiums, they're sharing the cost uh, with you. But there's other ways to finance and fund a uh, healthcare claim. And so that's just really um, the majority of what people will go through to finance it. Then you have, obviously, have taxpayers, and I touched on this already. You got Medicare and Medicaid. For those who are confused between the two, I always say Medicare, care, uh, we're caring for the elder. And then uh, Medicaid is like Band-Aid and then kind of like a bridge a gap, like a Band-Aid. And so those are just weird nuances that you come up with over the years uh, but medicaid is the state driven and medicare is federal usually for seniors or disabled and then medicaid is for their, usually the poor um, it's usually income and asset related and the other thing for taxpayer funded is subsidies through the affordable care act so some people call our office and say i heard I could get it cheaper through Obamacare or through the exchanges or the marketplace, whatever term you want to use. Um, Sure, but it's all based on tax dollars, right? So what's your income status? What's your filing status? Who's on the plan? Who's not on the plan? Who are you claiming as far as on your tax return and who you're not? There's a lot of other variables. Just because your neighbors can pay nearly nothing for their Affordable Care Act plan doesn't mean that you will. It just means either they're relying on their income or... Um, they're just less successful than you. And that's really what it all comes down. There's no free lunch, right? So the, the they are literally taxpayer dollars that are paying down your health insurance premiums on the exchange through the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. That's in a nutshell. And um, it's going to be a nightmare one day because the revenue side of that tax bill is not being funded. So we're going to have another. So it's kind of like funding Medicare. We're going to have another issue um, with the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. There's there's going to run out of money. Of course, that they're just going to say the solution is going to raise taxes, which still comes back from taxpayers, right? So either you fund it one way or another, it still comes out of our pocket, either directly or indirectly. And that's just the fact. These subsidies are taxpayers, so they're actually 
robbing Peter to pay Paul is essentially what's going to happen. It's exactly what's going on with the Medicare pool. I call it the biggest Ponzi scheme since the existence of the United States, uh, but somehow it's illegal. Um, they're literally taken from one place and um, putting it somewhere else. And if you don't believe me, how many times do they borrow against the Medicare funding knowing that it's going to run out of money just to fund other bills that they want? And so um, that's a prime example of Rob and Peter to pay Paul. They're not worried about 20 years down the road. Hell, they're not even worried about uh, anything past the next election, right? They're only worried about right now. So that's the funding side. Let's talk about expenses. I mean, this is just the breakdown of healthcare in itself. Um, there's no magic wand. It's about money going in and money going out of the system. So basic economics. So let's talk about expenses. You can most certainly uh, self-insure, and a lot of us do, especially nowadays. You could buy insurance policy. The average deductible is much higher these days. Three to 6,000 is probably the average. Um, if you pay for it on your own, it's probably closer to six grand, um, unless you could actually afford better, uh, lower uh, lower deductible, which means higher premiums. Not everybody could do that, so they're just stuck with the higher deductible. And so you could self-insure um, versus paying the premium for it. Uh, that's part of the expenses. It causes you to get a little bit more skin in the game, uh, ask more questions, and if it doesn't, you you're certainly better off trying because you could save yourself um, a ton of money uh, just by being a little smarter about some of the bills, just like you would with anything else. Um, and then obviously the expenses are also covered by insurance company. That's the indirect payer uh, versus direct payer. Uh, when you sell pay, um, if we look at all other areas that we have control of, we usually try to become smart shoppers. Uh, we don't go normally. I mean, there's impulse buys or, or immediate needs that you just want to satisfy, uh, whether it's in the home or related to healthcare for that matter. You just say, you know what, whatever the cost is, we're just going to pay it. Uh, but if we look at certain things that we do have control of, like your auto insurance or not auto insurance, but auto, your car, uh, you know, your fuel costs, some of us will drive the different um, gas stations for cheaper gas. Um, some of us will buy more economical cars versus cars that actually cost more money in gas or insurance or whatever it might be. Um, it could be um, which cars have more repairs versus less repairs. Same thing with the homes, right? Um, so we're wise about our repairs. A lot of people, and the reason why these Home Depots and Menards of the world exist, Ace Hardware is still down the street. I mean, some of the mom and pop hardware stores are still around because people still take a vested interest in fixing their home because they save money. And some of them have the skill set to do it, and some of them do it because they don't have or would want to spend the hundreds or thousands of dollars to do it. We become wise consumers at that point. Um, and so we look at all our areas, but when it comes to healthcare, a lot of times we lose control just because it's related to medical. There's a doctor, but um, I say it all the time. The doctor puts his pants on and his shoes on the same way I do. He just went to school a little longer. He's still uh, a gentleman just like I am or a lady just like other ladies. They just went to school for a special craft. I'm not saying that I'm discounting their education. I'm just saying that uh, you just have to become a wiser consumer and ask more questions to make sure you're more educated, to make sure you can even need it or want it. I always use this example. There was a guy, a client of mine many years ago. He's moved on, got gainful uh, employment with benefits. And so he, he was self-employed and bought his own insurance through our firm. And uh, he injured himself playing softball one time. And so it, the pain didn't go away. He was having trouble walking. So he went to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, let's go over and get an MRI. And he stopped and said, asked the doctor, 
would the results from uh, this is an exact question and so um i'm actually literally quoting it uh, would the results of the mri change the outcome of the treatment and the doctor said actually it won't and then he said then i'm not doing the mri and so and needless to say they end up just doing an x-ray which was a few hundred bucks found out everything was fine uh the mri would have cost a lot more and uh um, he had physical therapy for a couple of weeks and then everything was starting to get back to normal. And so that would have been wasteful spending um, if he didn't ask the question. But a lot of us don't ask the question because, well, if my doctor said I should do it, I should do it. But that's a different argument for another podcast. Maybe we'll get some doctors on here to argue with me, but that'll be fun. If you own a business, Elite Benefits of America wants to remind you that health insurance open enrollments are either happening now or coming very quickly. And this is the time to review and implement a healthcare plan to make or keep you as the employer of choice. Deadlines for open enrollment range between November 1st and January 1st. Get ahead of the curve. The Small Business Special Enrollment Period, part of the Affordable Care Act, now allows employers with 49 employees and under to offer health benefits without contributing a dime to the employee plan. Help your employees save money on taxes with health insurance they're already paying for with their hard-earned dollars. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. Otherwise, we have insurance that pays these bills. These are indirect expenses. Insurance companies have no skin in the game. They really don't care. Um, they're, uh, whether money's going over here or money's going over there, they, they actually don't have any personality. What they do have personality is fraud. That's it. But they automated systems today that... If it's under a certain dollar amount in a certain field, it automatically gets approved. Um, if it's in a certain field or under a certain code, then all of a sudden there's red flags that show up in an automated system and then they audit for it. So some people feel like the insurance company's blo blocking it. But here's one story. Uh, this is a personal one. We were on a big national carrier and um, I got a letter from the insurance company saying they were denying this claim. So I kind of let just let it pass and then I got a bill for from the provider so I called the provider up and say, hey, the insurance company is denying the bill. I'm trying to figure out why, and I'm going to call the insurance company later. And they said, uh, because the insurance company really was saying on the explanation of benefits was that it should have been included under another code. The provider kept saying, no, that's not true. These are separate charges. So when I called the insurance company, they're like, no. In fact, this number, this code is never, we've never seen it before. But what the description of the code matches what should be underneath a different code that they already submitted and got paid on. And so eventually I ended up getting a three-way call with the provider and the insurance company and come to find out they did make up the, um, the code, which happened to have in the same prefix as the other code that they were already paid on that had the same description in, but they added a P for professional at the end. And therefore they felt that the insurance company should pay that claim. And literally, I heard the insurance, the rep from the insurance company laugh on the phone. And he's like, and he just said, you seriously think we should be paying this claim because you added a P at the end of that code? And the provider said, yes. And, uh, and they said, well, if you feel strongly about it, you need to fill out this paperwork and submit it to our review department. We never heard about it ever again. And the bill actually went away. And um, I did get a bill that said zero. 
And so even though the insurance company uh, normally doesn't care, they cared in that point because they were trying to prevent fraud and they were billing fraud. And it's interesting the providers are just as guilty. And that's a whole nother topic that we should talk about on a podcast. And so, but the insurance company doesn't really have enough skin in the game. So they pad the premiums to make their money. The Affordable Care Act really, uh, and the medical loss ratio, MLR, which was part of the rebate program that Obama set forth because Congress felt at that time that insurance companies were gouging premiums. And so they made a model that essentially, and I'm summarizing because there's different variances of this, that 80% of the money that comes in from premiums have to be escrowed for claims. 20% can be used for operational expenses and profit. A lot of these insurance companies worked on a 60-40, and now they're reinforced down to 80-20. That's why our commissions dropped through the floor. We we probably took a 60% hit on commissions. So uh, for those listening that work with other brokers, be a little more respectful because their, their income's way down from even uh, 10 years ago. And so um, for the same services they're trying to provide to you. But um, these insurance companies were forced to go down to 20% on their operations and profit, and then 80% was escrowed. If they end up saving or having more um, escrow than the 80%, um, meaning that they didn't spend as much um, as they anticipated, they were supposed to give a rebate back to the policyholders. For a long time, the average rebate to the average family premium was 150 bucks a year. So that means that the insurance company overcharged each uh, family by 10 bucks a month. And so you can imagine the administrative costs the insurance company went through just for a $10 a month difference on these policies. Some were greater, uh, and and that's because they anticipated more risk, and then they actually did give the rebates out. My guess is the renewals would have been a lot lower if that was left alone, but neither here nor there. But their profits come out of the 20%. So I read a uh, book one time uh, in our industry. It was about claims. The example they used in the book was um, is a cereal bowl for a kid. If you tell the kid that he can only eat 20% of the cereal that's in the bowl, the kid's going to get off the chair and go get a bigger bowl because then the 20% is bigger in a bigger bowl. And so that's essentially what the insurance companies are doing is in order to increase their 20%, they have to increase the 80%, So which means they have to have an incentive to spend. Therefore, they have to increase the premiums to offset the new additional expenses they're occurring in order to make more profit. And I tell you, if you dive into it a little bit, you're going to find out that since the signing of the Affordable Care Act, especially since five or seven, five to seven years ago, for sure, that they're making more profits today than they ever did prior to the Affordable Care Act. So yeah, they really don't really care. They have no control over the expenses. They just kind of process what's there. Providers know this, and they bill things that probably shouldn't have been covered. One other story, and I mentioned the, this in detail about my son. Go, we took him to eventually took him to the ER. We were trying to go to urgent care. He burned his hand. He had second degree burns. We did finally get that bill in the uh, in the mail, and uh, talk about just they don't they don't care. It was an eight hundred dollar bill, and all they did was wash his hand, put ointment on it, didn't even wrap it, and then gave us some over-the-counter medications. That's it. And I'm not saying it wasn't worth the $800. It put his mind at ease. There was a lot going on. And and so I'm not judging that. I'm just judging uh, what we purchased and the return for it. And so the providers know they can get away with it because where else are you going to go? So 
we are not really the customers anymore. The insurance company is, but they don't really care about the expenses. And so when we first started off, I talked about that report that mentioned that if the government created a clearinghouse, they would cut some expenses. And there's definitely needing a clearinghouse. I don't know if I agree the government should do it, but there definitely needs to be more transparency and cost, which is what Congress tried to do. But the problem is there's too many lobbyists and, and they're trying to protect their own interests. So if you're a congressman and you were getting paid from big, huge providers, healthcare providers across the country to make sure certain things are in law or certain things are being proposed and then protect their personal interest, uh, you're going to do that and because they're buying you. And um, that's just the fact, right? And so even though they passed this No Surprise Act and this transparency regulation that hospitals are supposed to have a menu board, they're publishing some things, but I tell you, it's super vague. You still don't have any idea how to read it. Even me being in the industry, it's still hard to read. And I just think that they make it super difficult because then they get away with it because you have that nice fancy credit card that you don't have to pay the balance. And so they know that. And the insurance company, they know the insurance company is going to pay it. They have a financial incentive to spend, uh, make, uh, spend on claims to make more money. So it's just like this vicious cycle, you know, and then they hide things. So anyhow, the politicians just get bought and there's so many different things in the news that you could read up on your own. I had some listed here I was going to read, but I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but you could certainly look at some of the co personal conflicts as well as professional conflicts that they usually don't address the matter. Same thing with Affordable Care Act. It was actually a tax law disguised as health care, uh, told some of the insurance companies how to restructure some of their plan profiles. Uh, but that's really about it. They did not address the big, huge problem in the healthcare. So, um, and I think that's just the way Congress works, and that's just the fact. The other thing is definitely ethics, not only at the Congress level, but also at the provider level. No one in that office that you talk to is going to tell you that you can get it cheaper down the road. They just don't, they won't, even if you ask them, you know, even if they know it, they're not going to say anything. Uh, if you went to a local coffee shop and you even asked them, what's the best place to get a certain type of tea in town? There's a good chance, especially the smaller shops, the smaller chains, they're probably going to tell you where, where the best tea is in town um, because they're not threatened by the competition. They're going to get business anyways. Whereas healthcare, they're just not going to tell you. They don't, they don't have an incentive to tell you. And for years, they never had to worry about it. And so even with that, with the menu board not being available, you just have to push a little harder. A lot of them will come back and say, it depends on your insurance policy. And they'll come up with all these other stories. And some of that is valid, but they need to come up with a better proof because it really doesn't matter if my insurance is involved or not. There should be a set price and whatever the price is, it doesn't matter who should be the payer, whether I financially pay an insurance company or I financially pay the provider, it shouldn't matter. Um, but somehow depending on where the payments are coming from is somehow they feel like they can do it. Uh, can you imagine um, in the um, automotive industry in the collision repair centers, you, can you imagine a, a if it was a self-pay versus insurance and there's a huge difference? I could see like uh, cash discounts or some other uh, form of payment from a private uh, payer. It could be a little bit different, but these are huge spreads. And so, um, and then also, Imagine the roofers come by to work on your house and they charge differently if the insurance company's paying versus you. And it, it really doesn't make a difference to them. Why is it making a difference in healthcare? So we all have to start stepping up to the plate and start challenging things. And you even just ask enough questions so you feel more comfortable uh, proceeding or not. In some cases, uh, you could play dumb. And so, and I mentioned this on podcasts where I had this $1,500 bill 
And they kept sending me invoices and invoices, and I was busy, and months went by, and they finally sent me a notice that was stamped final notice before collections. And so I call them, and I play dumb, but it was also months since the claim. And I just ask them, hey, can you tell me what's going on with this claim? And, you know, it just, you know, it was just trying to get the story behind it. And they put me on hold. And then they eventually came back and said it was a misbilling. The 1500 went away, and I actually did get an invoice that said zero. And so uh, imagine if I didn't do anything, it would have went to collections. And so sometimes you just got to play dumb and, and proceed. It's really – it's bad that we even have to do this, but um, you certainly just have to start being more creative, ask more questions, you get second opinions, don't depend on one. Uh, for employer plans out there, get out of the Affordable Care Act plan as soon as possible because you have more control of claims and you have more control of output of what your expenses and where it's going. Uh, there's programs that provide the employees incentives to have better outcomes. So might as well just jump on it and start bending the curve back into your favor versus the insurance companies. <laughs>